Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome back to the Action Network Podcast. This is the Golf Edition and I'm your host, Peter Jennings. And as always, joined by Jason Sobel and I'm ecstatic. This is going to be a really fun episode. We're going to recap the Farmers uh, Insurance Open, talk a little Zach Zucker, which is taking the DFS world and the golf world by storm. Obviously, we have the waste management and a whole slew of topics to discuss. Jason, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm fired up. This is one of my favorite events every year. I, I've probably been to the Waste Management Phoenix Open 10, 12 times covering the event. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, I mean, we all know when we're getting older, you see a couple of gray hairs, you get some wrinkles. I am telling you that you can tell how old you are by the fact that years ago, you, you know, at least for me personally, I'd go to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I'd be like, man, this is great. This is a cool party. Everyone's getting drunk. This is really fun. The last couple of years, I went to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I'm sitting there going, hey, guys, hey, quiet, quiet down. Guys, guys are trying to make a par here on 16, you know. I got this guy in my DFS lineup. Like, let's let's not yell at him. Let's not throw beers at him. Uh, that's, that's how you know when you're getting old, when you're, like, kind of trying to shush all the inebriated fans out there who are trying to just yell at golfers the entire time. Yeah, we were down in Scottsdale last year, spent some time on the 16th hole, and uh, I'm with you. I have all the old man tendencies. You know, it's an incredible event, huge party, uh, and of course, I just want to avoid the crowds and, and play golf myself, but it's going to be an awesome event, uh, great field, and uh, yeah, the golf season's really kicking off. I mean, last week I thought it was awesome at the Farms Insurance. Leishman came out of nowhere, shot seven under on the final day. Beats Rom by a stroke, beats Rory by three. Uh, a pretty good finishing field. Snedeker played well uh, throughout the week. Bubba Watson charged. Tiger, we saw you know quite a bit of good play from him. What was your take on just the tournament? And then I think the big story, obviously, that we haven't gotten into is what's going on with Kobe. And it was interesting to hear all Tiger's remarks uh, on that scenario as well. Okay, so let me touch on the first part of that, just the actual golf stuff that's pretty irrelevant based on everything that we uh, saw during that uh, that tournament, everything that we knew was going on with with Kobe at that point and the, uh, the other victims of that plane crash, which is uh, just still unbelievably surreal and sad. Um, yeah, Mark Leishman, uh, I, I would not have predicted that after 54 holes when John Rahm had a two-shot lead and looked like, you know, hey, he's one of the best players in the world. He's won this golf tournament before. He's going to go out there and uh, and crush it in the final round and, and win this thing, and that's not even close to what happened. He made a nice little run at the end, but uh, one of the takeaways, at least, is that even though the international team didn't win the President's Cup last month in Melbourne, Australia, the fact that... Now Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman have won PGA Tour events already in 2020. I think that shows that these guys have kind of gained some confidence, gained some momentum, had something going coming into this year. And uh, I don't know how many times in the future the President's Cup will be played, first of all, in December, secondly, in Australia, uh, you know, and, and having these guys get that momentum from it. But I think it's helping those players right now. Now to the big story. and. 
you know, I, I've said this a few times so far. So, you know, not to make this a personal thing, but I think that Kobe's death is something where 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're all going to remember where we were when we heard the news. I was playing in a golf tournament, my home club here in Orlando, and went out for a little emergency nine afterwards. And it was on the 16th tee, and a buddy of mine said, oh, my God, I can't believe this, and showed me his phone. He couldn't even say it. Showed me his phone with the news of what had happened. And, you know, as I was doing that, I was, you know, obviously scrambling around to find out, you know, information on, on what had happened. But I was also, of course, following the golf tournament and I was following the leaderboard. I was kind of watching along as I'd been out on the golf course throughout the day. And I couldn't wait to go in and, and hear what Tiger had to say. And after a while, I started thinking, I'm like, why do I care so much about what Tiger has to say about Kobe's death? You know, why? Why not Mark Leishman? Why not John Rahm? Why not anybody else in the field? Why, why are Tiger's words so much more important than any other player who's playing? And I started thinking about it. And I wrote this piece, uh, of course, for Action Network. You can find it on the website. You can find it on the app. But there are so many connections, so many parallels between the lives, between the careers, professionally, personally, of Tiger and Kobe. Both turned professional in the same year. Both became one-name superstars. Both proved to us, taught us that our heroes are human. Our heroes are not infallible and they make mistakes. And both of them came back from different measures of wrongdoing, I guess is the most uh, political way to say it, but came back from that perhaps more popular than they ever were before. I think you'd say that about each of those guys. And, And it says probably more about us as a society that we sort of opened our arms and embraced them once again afterwards because they were more human to us than they had been before. And so I I think that's part of the whole connection. And uh, I felt bad for Tiger. No one should be told the news of a, a friend's death while the entire world is watching them get that news. And then one minute later being asked to, uh, to speak about that news. And, you know, I think Tiger was still a little shell shocked when he was on the broadcast speaking about it after his round, but there are so many connections. uh, And like I wrote about, they are uh, forever intertwined based on um, sort of these parallels throughout their lives, their careers, Peter. Yeah. And Tiger mentioned it. The first thing that comes to mind that I think is, you know, the the commonality that they share and part of the reason everyone, you know, is attracted to them as as athletes and what's made both of them so successful uh, is that fire and that competitiveness. And, you know, Tiger talked about it and it's so sad and surreal. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was like fake and, you know, I didn't know Kobe and a lot of people didn't know Kobe, but there's still this sense because we've seen him, you know, grow up. I mean, he's become a prominent figure since, you know, basically the start of, you know, the internet becoming popular, social media and, uh, helicopter crash and all the victims is just so, so, so sad. And, um, yeah, it's a reminder. I, I, you know, give you, give your wife, uh, you know, a hug and a kiss, tell your friends and family, you love them. You know, our mortality is a a really tough thing, but you know, there's so many positive lessons to learn from them. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It was a tough thing for tiger, but it was good to hear him speak about it. Obviously they're very close and, um, you know, just, you know, his admiration for Kobe was, was, was great to hear. And we've seen so many athletes and people come out and tell great Kobe stories. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more, which just speaks to the legacy that was Kobe Bryant. Let's transition to something a lot more positive, And that's Zach, the Zach Zucker story. Um, yeah, yeah. This is fun. Zach is now officially right there as my favorite golfer on tour. 
you know, he's tweeting out the hashtag don't fade me, bro. Hashtag BFS fam. Played well at the Farmers Insurance. Almost got there for a top 10. But then he needed to qualify for the waste management. And what do you know? He goes down. Monday qualifies with the low round, uh, shooting six under. This is a great story. Family man, embracing the DFS community. Uh, one of the coolest things I've seen. And I know you're close to the story. And uh, obviously, we're rooting for him this week. But what are your impressions of Zach and, uh, and what's going on? Well, we had Zach on the pod last year. He was fantastic when he came on with us. Uh, told some really good, fun stories. I've been messaging back and forth with him over the last couple of days, going back to, I think, even before the Farmers Insurance Open, we'd been just kind of messaging about a few different things. And I, I think it speaks volumes, the fact that Zach really hasn't done that much other than going on social media and saying, hey, don't fade me. Hey, DFSP, he actually put on Twitter, I believe it was uh, tonight as we're recording this Tuesday night, he put, hey, look, if you put me in a lineup, you can also get uh, Xander Shoffley and Hideki Matsuyama, and I can, you know, uh, I'm a nice bottom filler in your lineup, and I, I can help you out. I, I love the fact that he's doing that because, quite frankly, most players out there either don't have any understanding of what DFS is, of what fantasy is, of what betting is all about, or they completely ignore it and don't let us into sort of what they know and, and just kind of, uh, you know, feign ignorance as far as why so many people are rooting for him or rooting against him on a given week. The fact that Zach is embracing it, I, I love that. Willie Wilcox did that a few years ago where he would go on social media and say, hey, take me this week. I feel really good. Uh, the fact that Zach is doing the same thing, he's building a brand, and I don't think he's doing it you know, to earn money. I don't think he's doing it to earn fans. I think he's just doing it because he's having fun on social media, and that's uh, the best ways of growing these type of things are organically, and this is uh, being grown organically, and people are gravitating towards Zach Suka right now because there's nobody else doing that. I Just once, I mean, wouldn't you love – Phil Mickelson is great on social media. Wouldn't you love Phil to come out and say – man, I can't believe I'm only 8,700 on DraftKings this week. You guys better take me. I'm hitting bombs. The world would go nuts. The Twitter world, the golf Twitter world would go absolutely crazy if Phil did something like that on a regular basis. Instead, Zach Sucre's doing it, and there's been a really uh, a really nice following, a really uh, resounding welcome for Zach Sucre just because he's not ignoring it like so many other players. Yeah, it's awesome, and he has a ton of fans. And, uh, you know, I think that you'll see a lot of these DFS players and guys who are following the sport closely and are trading the golf markets uh, are going to these tournaments, and he's going to have a huge fan base cheering him on. And he's even tweeting out, like, introduce yourself, and uh, I'd love to meet you. Just uh, something that's so endearing, and uh, I, all of us are rooting for him. It's freaking awesome, and he's playing well. I think he's someone we certainly have to consider uh, on DraftKings this week as well, and uh, obviously in great form. Uh, Monday qualifying is not an easy task, even for someone who's having success on the PGA Tour like Zach is, and um, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really thrilled that he's in the field, and uh, you know he's clearly just gained a huge following, and it's it's great for golf, and it's great for DFS. So. That's awesome. Uh, we're rooting for Zach, and uh, it should be a great tournament. We have some really big names here. So, I mean, John Robb is the favorite. We got Justin Thomas, who, going back to the Kobe thing, uh, tweeted out a couple cool things, some social media of him hitting a, a shot in the woods, yelling Kobe before he hits it. Just yeah. got new wedges uh, with a ton of uh, stuff for Kobe, which is great. 
Um, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of JT and uh, I hope he plays well. Webb Simpson is really starting to play some great golf, played amazing last year, but has launched himself into that top echelon of players. He's uh, right behind Robin JT. You got Matsuyama, you got Fowler, you got Xander, DeChambeau, Woodland. Uh, there's a ton of great golfers here. What are your thoughts on the course? Obviously, you've spent time there, like you mentioned. And uh, how are you looking at this field? Very much like TBC Sawgrass, which has the 17th hole, the uh, island green, or at least the peninsula green uh, there. The, this one at TBC Scottsdale, basically you think about the 16th hole, which is really just a, a wedge or a nine iron in for most of these guys. It really isn't a big deal other than the 20,000 screaming fans who are surrounding the entire hole. But the rest of the course, I, I, I think it plays towards bombers. I think it's actually a much better course than it gets credit for. I think just because – There are so many people at this golf tournament. There's such a big party going on that uh, we tend to only think of it in those terms, Peter. And and we don't think of it in terms of, hey, it's a really good tournament with a really good field on a really good golf course. Yeah, this is uh, this is a cool event for more reasons than just the fact that lots of people like to go there and party. So, uh, yeah, looking at the top, John Rahm. If you're expecting him to have a little letdown, I, I go back and look at what he's done over the last six months. He's now finished 13th or better in 14 of his last 15 worldwide starts. That includes three wins and four runner-up finishes during that span. The guy's a machine right now. I don't think people quite realize and understand just how good John Rahm is. Maybe they will once he finally wins a major. I think that could happen some point in the next few months because he's He's ready to go out there. Here's all you need to know about John Rahm. JT is is right there as one of the top players in the world. You know, Rory, Rahm, then JT for me currently. Yep. John Rahm is minus 177 versus JT this week. Wow. That is a crazy matchup. And John Rahm's right in that range of like 6-1, to 7-1 to one to win the tournament. I don't think that that's outrageous by any means. Obviously, there's juice there, but... John Rahm is the the class of this field, and if Rory wasn't playing so unreal, I think Rahm would be in a tier by himself, basically. I think Rahm and, and Rory, what the markets are telling us, is that they are in a, a tier of their own. And, and he's played well here in the past. Obviously, he has uh, roots in Phoenix, uh, going to school at Arizona State. 2015, I believe he was still an amateur back then, T5. 2017, T16. 2018, T11. And last year, a T10 finish. It's, it's just he's going to play really well. It's a matter of whether he wins this tournament or doesn't play quite as well and finishes in eighth place. But if, if you're expecting Rom to have a huge letdown, uh, you're doing this whole thing wrong because he is not going to. That said, Peter, he ain't my pick to win this week. What do you think of that? Well, I would take John Rom versus whoever you're going to take as your winner. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would love to hear who you have as your winner right now. I need to check it out because I, I think you've teased it on the Action Network. Um, but let, let's hear on the podcast who your winner is. I have got four reasons that I am picking Bryson DeChambeau as my champion this week. Oh, first of the, all, the, the weightlifting, the, he's yoked, he's, he's hitting bombs. The big hitters tend to play really well here. No one's hitting it longer than Bryson right now. We've seen Brooks Kepka, Gary Woodland, Phil Mickelson play really well here in recent years and win this golf tournament. DeChambeau is absolutely crushing it. You can make you can make fun of the fact that, you know, okay, he's all yoked now and he's trying to be Brooks Kepka like and you know, he thinks he can do different things with physics because he's hitting it longer. 
I, I get it. It's an easy eye roll, but it's also there's some truth to it. I mean, look, look how far he's hitting the ball. He's absolutely mashing the ball off the tee. I love that. Secondly, he's playing well right now. Contended for a title in Dubai last week. You know, obviously the slow play stuff. He was given a warning uh, in the final round. Bogeyed the last four holes. That wasn't good. Guess what? The slow play policy has not started yet on the PGA Tour. He'll be given, if anything, uh, the soccer, uh, the golf equivalent of soccer's uh, unending yellow card. So um, you won't have to worry about getting any kind of penalty. And uh, and then the other reason is. Um, or the third reason is there's a, a bit of karma at play. DeChambeau was scheduled to compete in Saudi Arabia, taking that blood money this week. And instead he decided to stay stateside. And I think that's going to help him. And the last one is Murphy's law. I'm taking him because it doesn't make any sense to take him. It's the loudest, most boisterous tourney in the world. DeChambeau is probably going to hear as much grief from the fans out there as anybody in the field for the slow play, for liking science, for trolling Kepka, for a whole bunch of reasons. And you know what? I I just think it's going to work for him. I just think kind of back against the wall and everybody yelling at him, he's going to feed off the negative energy and play really well this week. What do you think of that? I like it. You can get him uh, somewhere in the 30 to one range. I do think there's uh, validity to that, especially how far he's hitting off the tee. And we've seen some great golf from, from Bryson. Uh, I also like, this doesn't really matter for the handicapping, but I think it's a good brand move and it was fun to see. Uh, Eddie Pepperell and, and and Bryce have obviously had some, mostly Eddie said some things on Twitter and, uh, you know, they're in the final group together and Pepperell makes a funny tweet like, I would totally understand if Bryson hits it 40 yards past me all day so he doesn't have to chat yeah. with me. And, you know, they had some positive things back and forth. Uh, Eddie said some positive things and then, uh, specifically that he wasn't that slow. And, and Bryson said, you know, thanks, Eddie, or something along those lines. I'm working on it. So I like seeing that positive camaraderie, especially with Eddie, who's uh, the best follow in golf Twitter. I think Mickelson is right there, but I'll still give Eddie uh, the lead. And I think, um, you know, Max Holm is up there. And there's uh, a lot I was of- just about to say, Max Holm is never going to come on the pod if you don't mention his name in that. I, I love Max. Uh, he's awesome. And uh, he's been immersed in the space for a while and uh, obviously a great golfer. And, He's uh, shown some good play over the last couple of years, which is really exciting. So those are my, those are the, the you know, the, the top guys. Zach's obviously moving up the ranks with all the DFS talk for me, but it's fun. All these golfers are, are really starting, not all, but a lot of golfers are starting to embrace social media in a really positive way, which I love to see. And I think uh, people in general are, are happy, especially golf fans, to see just the human side. And, uh, you know, the Eddie Bryson talk on Twitter was really good. So I like that call. Uh, I think he's uh, a pretty interesting pick. You know, there's similar guys in that range. You have three guys who are 30 to one. And I definitely would take Bryson Woodland over Kucher, who's 30 to one. So is Bubba Watson, by the way. There's uh, a lot of Bubba talk this week. A lot of people are on Bubba. Yeah. I like Bubba in a couple of weeks here at Riv quite a bit. Uh, sure. And obviously he'll be shorter odds just given the course history, but uh, this is a good spot for Bubba as well. And, He's starting to play really well. Made a nice little charge there. Played well at the Farmers Insurance. Uh, obviously, can bomb it, which is sets up really well. Shot ten under uh, last week, so I think he's a really strong pick. Uh, I think Webb Simpson deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he is playing such good golf. I think he's very, very safe. And this whole top tier, uh, it looks really good. I mean, you have Finau at thirty-one to one, so that's in that same range. You have Sungjae, Morikawa, Snedeker, and then uh, Grace kind of is the last guy before 
it starts to fall off. So there's a really quite a bit of depth uh, at the top. If you were to fade one guy at the top end, and I know it's tough to do, you know, when you're looking at these guys, but there's some that you don't like uh, from like Snedeker down. Okay. So first of all, uh, I like to pick for Bubba at Riviera better than I do this week. I've heard a lot of Bubba talk this week. It makes no sense. Bubba's come out and said he hates this tournament and he hates crowds. He's played really well here in the past. Yeah. He played really well at Torrey Pines last week. I still just don't think the connection is there. I just can't see Bubba winning this golf tournament, but I've been wrong many times before. Uh, that said, at Riviera, by the way, uh, I've got Tiger changing out of a red shirt into a purple shirt in Los Angeles, shooting a 55 on Sunday afternoon at Riviera and winning that tournament by, oh, 24 shots. How's that sound? I love it. I have him shooting a 60 in honor of Kobe's last game, which I just watched. Oh, there you go. That's even better. I was trying to think of a good Kobe number. I was like, 81 won't really get it done in the final round. But yeah, 60 60 for the last uh, game, which I watched last night, which was awesome and had memories of people not playing Kobe Bryant in DFS for his last (laughs) game, which was uh, really funny. Um, But yeah, I'm with you on Bubba. I mean, I think he's, you know, he does have good course history, but there's reasons why he wouldn't play well here, though. He's starting to play really good golf, and uh, in his matchup, Finau's a, a big favorite. But uh, you know, Bubba's certainly playing well and has win equity here. My other fade, I, Bubba's really not a fade for me. I just won't be on him. But my fade this week is the defending champion, Ricky Fowler. Won last year, but shot a seventy-four in the final round. Had a triple bogey and a double bogey. Contended at the American Express in Palm Springs a few weeks ago, but admitted that he was going through some swing tweaks, didn't look very good at Torrey Pines last week. I don't think that Ricky Fowler is quite where he needs to be right now. I am long-term very bullish on Ricky, as I have been for an awful long time. I do think that he will contend for at least one, if not more, major championships this year. Maybe he finally picks one off. I think Ricky doesn't get credit for how good, how talented he actually is because uh, there's a lot of flash there. I don't think people see the substance but this week for me he is a fade he's my fade too so that's funny uh for a lot of the same reasons uh the swing change i think will ultimately serve well i mean he's really going to a very flat swing but uh it's always tough at the beginning of the year and i'm with you i hope he uh peaks at the majors uh obviously just one of the most well-liked guys out on tour just strikes me as a great guy and like you said it'd be awesome to see him win one because you know, he's had a ton of fame uh, and, you know, especially young kids just absolutely love Ricky, but there's a lot of substance there and he's a great golfer and hopefully he can pick one off. But, you know, you can see in some of the markets too. I mean, he's somewhat of a big dog versus Xander. He has shorter odds to win outright. So there's some red flags for me with Ricky. And, you know, when you're fading anyone at the top end of the range, uh, you know, you can obviously look stupid because these guys are some of the best in the world. And in this case, you know, we have a lot of the best players. So it's tough to find a fade, but I think Ricky's a good one. Moving down into kind of the middle or the bottom tier, I think there's a lot of compelling names. I'm excited that Victor Hovland's back, and that's actually my best bet of the week is Victor Hovland over Jordan Spieth in a matchup. Fortunately, the line has moved a decent bit, but originally started off somewhat close to a pick in some books, and now, you know, uh, Hovland's like a minus 145, all the way to minus 170 favorite over Spieth. And I know... We've been short Spieth before on this podcast. Uh, I, I want to see Spieth play really well before I, I get back on him. But uh, I like Victor Hovland a lot, and I think he uh, this is a great course for him because he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball. So he's one of my favorites in that mid-tier. What are your thoughts on that matchup, and who else are you looking at in the mid-tier for this week? 
I do like that one. I feel like we're kind of piling on at this point. Jordan Spieth dropped out of the top 50 in the world for the first time in years uh, this week. So, uh, you know, there's hopefully he plays well. Not quite there. Yeah, I, I do think again, I, you know, if Ricky for me is a long term buy, then Jordan right now is a long term hold. I'm not, not not selling low on him right now, but I'm, I'm certainly not buying shares in him uh, like I would have a few years ago. But um yeah, I, I would think that Hovland should play well. I'd like to see Hovland get one or two more stateside events under his belt before I'm really kind of going all in on him. But he, he's good enough to go out there and contend any given week. From that mid-tier, actually, uh, his college teammate, Matthew Wolf, I like a lot this week. Yep. Jason Kokrak is a guy that has played well here. He played well last week. The intersection of form and course history, I think, is going to serve him really well. Daniel Berger. Watch out for Daniel Berger. Perhaps my favorite tournament matchup this week. Daniel Berger, even money against Russell Knox. I, I got nothing against Knox, and I think Knox is a really good player. He's played well here in the past. I kind of actually like Knox this week, but I like Berger a lot more. Berger is a guy that uh, I think can do some damage. Uh, ben on, and then if we're going to go even lower than that, I'll throw a Harry Higgs at you. I'll throw Max Homa at you. I'll throw John Huh has played pretty well here in the past, and J.J. Spawn who I always like on the West Coast. Love the Max Homa call. Uh, he's played some good golf to start this year, and, and I think he's pointing in the right direction. Kokrak is one of my favorite overall plays. Uh, I've been long Kokrak so far this year with mixed results, but this is a, a great course for him. Uh, minus 129 favorite over Ryan Moore, and then a really interesting matchup, uh, someone you've been high on and we've talked a lot about in this podcast. It's a basically a coin flip. Scotty Scheffler versus Kokrak. And I think that's a really, really good matchup. Uh, if you had to pick out of those two, which direction would you go? I'm probably going Kokrak, but I love Scotty Scheffler. Man, I I, I almost can't. I got to stay away because I can't fade my guy, Scotty Scheffler. I really like him. Didn't play well last week. There's some of these guys, some of these guys I think we have to look at that we liked over the last few weeks that didn't quite perform. Gary Woodland's another guy. Yeah. We loved him last week. Missed the uh, cut, played poorly on Thursday. Oh, it just killed us. I mean, and and I know that sometimes when you're playing DFS, when you're making bets, you're you're going, ah, oh, that guy killed me last week. I am not taking him again. You know what? There's a reason we took him last week because we really liked him and he fit the course and his form was really good. Let's not let one round, and really it wasn't even the second round, it was just the first round on Torrey South last week that really undid his entire week. Now let's keep Gary Woodland in mind because I think Gary Woodland, who has uh, played well here in the past, I think Gary Woodland could be a guy to watch this week as well. Yeah, I love Gary Woodland. He's actually a favorite versus uh, your boy Bryson, so that's pretty interesting um, to me for DFS. I think he's a really good buy low just based on recency bias candidate. And uh, if you want to buy Sky Scheffler, I actually think Snedeker, you know, played incredible last week, but uh, he has such good history there uh, that, you know, I'm willing to discount the the recent form just a smidge. Um, and that's something that's, you know, tricky when you start looking at, you know, current forms, obviously so important, but when you see someone play really well, of course, they've always played well at, uh, you can discount it a, a little bit. So I think Snedeker is still obviously a really good play, but Scotty Scheffler, you can get plus money uh, in some spots for Snedeker. So if I was buying Scheffler, I wouldn't choose, uh, you know, minus 115 or minus 110 versus Kokrak. I would uh, look to that brand Snedeker matchup. So, uh, and yeah, in terms of the the other guys, I love the burger call. I think he's a, a really strong pick this week. And I think he could have a, a strong year just overall. There's a, a lot of good positive things going on for him. So 
uh, it's nice to see him kind of regaining that form and the markets are starting to respect him. And he's been chalky in DFS at times. Yeah. The one thing people tend to forget, Peter, about Berger is that less than three years ago, I mean, we're talking end of 2017, he was on the U.S. President's Cup team. He was one of the 12 best American golfers there were, and he was a burgeoning talent. I mean, he's the same age as uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth that same year. And he's got a lot of good golf left ahead of him. He was injured for much of last year. He is now back and presumably healthy. I think Daniel Berger is going to be a guy that um, that starts flying up the world ranking when he starts playing some courses that he really likes and some tournaments that he likes. And this could be the start to some big things for Daniel Berger moving forward. I agree. And one last guy that I got to throw out there that's in that mid-tier, I think is a strong play this week, is Ches Reeby, who doesn't fit the course. I mean, he's an accuracy guy, but man, uh, he plays these Arizona courses. Remember, Whisper, uh, he is so straight and he's getting respect in these markets. Uh, He's right there with Berger in that 70 to 1 range. I think Ches Reeby is uh, an interesting pick. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be targeting bombers, like you said. So, you can get some leverage and potentially some ownership edge by going with uh, some different course fit type guys. And I think Ches Reby checks that box. Uh, Russell Knox would be another one if you want to go there uh, for the the shorter players I think could compete this week. Peter, uh, so, I will say a little, a little birdie told me through the, uh, the smartphone machine that I've got over here that Ches has been going through some swing changes, through some club changes. Oh, um, I like to never, hear that. Never, never know. I can't reveal my sources, but – I've got some pretty good ones up there in that Whisper Rock area that may have told me that long term, yes, Chez, very good player. Short term, eh, might not want to be on him right now. Okay. He might have just saved me some money. So we'll. uh, Or it might have cost you a lot, but we know where to uh, send that. Yeah. Well, you're you're, you're now in the perfect situation. If he uh, plays poorly, I won't thank you. But if he plays well, then I'll I'll scream at you like a classic, (laughs) classic gambler. Uh, with that, we got to make our DraftKings lineup before we get out of here. Hopefully, we can rebound. Our team was pretty solid last week. Woodland was my big miss. Great call by you on Finau. Uh, Woodland was chalk, too. So, a double whammy where I feel badly about a pick, missing the cut, but also eating the chalk, which we don't want to do in general. Uh, obviously, you can eat the chalk in certain situations, but need to have some contrarian players in your lineup. So, I will do our first pick. And we've been talking about him, and I think he's a really good play. I've had a ton of exposure to him so far this year, and it's been a mixed bag. You know, he missed the cut at the American Express by one, I believe. Uh, Did finish T21 last week, which was fine. Had a lot of exposure to him, so that was nice. I'm going with Jason Kokrak at 7,900, keeping our budget alive. I think he's uh, one of my favorite overall plays this week. I I like that a lot, obviously. I talked to him up before. So I I am all aboard the Kokrak train this week. I think that's a really good play. I've got to kind of put my money where my mouth is. And if I'm going to say that I like Bryce DeChambeau to win this golf tournament, it would be pretty silly of me to not put him in a lineup. And only 9,100. I mean, he is is 11th on the list, which – I think there's some value in there taking Bryson DeChambeau, who's he's he costs less than Matt Kuchar, Gary Woodland, Colin Morikawa. I think that Bryson is not quite being given the credit that he is due right now, both in the betting markets and in DFS. So uh, I am on Bryson. I, I I'm not sure, Peter. I'm not good at predicting the ownership percentages of players. I'm not nearly as good at that as you are, but I would not be surprised if Bryson is fairly low owned this week. I think he's definitely going to be – not definitely, but I'm confident that he will not be highly owned. 
I think that's a sharp pick for DFS, especially in tournaments. And you love him, so that's perfect. I'm going to go with the fan favorite. And this this might be a little too chalky is my only concern, but he even says it. He puts it out there with a hashtag. Don't fade me, bro. So we are not <laughs> going to fade Zach Zuger on this podcast. He's 6,300 as well. So we're going to jam him in, and we're now with 8,900 left for three players. Uh, I think we have a lot of optionality here. So where are you going with your next pick? Zach Suger. A lot of people have fallen in love on social media, Peter. You're just the latest. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I'm big time in love with Zach. 8,900. Let's see. I'm going down the list. Ah, you know what? Right there at, don't want to do that one. I was going to say, I, I almost went some JM at 8,800. Didn't you strike, can go the, ball. Anywhere. You can didn't go anywhere. strike the ball as well as I would have liked last week. Instead of going a little bit lower priced. Uh, I'm going to leave some money on the table here. Matthew Wolf at 8,000. Uh, I think Matthew Wolf is, uh, He's playing really well right now. 21st last week at Torrey. He was 11th at Kapalua a few weeks before that. I I think that for a big hitter, for a young kid, he's going to have fun out there. He's going to you know love the party atmosphere. Uh, I think this could be a really good week for him. All right. I love that. And uh, I'm going to go with the big dog. I think maybe the best play on the board. And it sounds crazy. I don't know if he's going to be super chalky because there's a lot of guys that are compelling at the top end. But John Rahm. Uh, I think is clearly the class of the field. Uh, I love JT as well, but John Rahm is getting a ton of respect in the betting markets. I just think this is a great setup for him. Obviously spends a ton of time down in Arizona. You referenced all his ties there. So I'm going to go with John Rahm, leaving you not that much money left. We have $7,300. There's still some guys here, but I, I love our firepower, especially I mean, we got Rahm, DeChambeau, Kokrak, Wolf, Zach. I mean, all these guys can pound it. There are a lot of good options. I've got 7,300. Looking down the list, Harris English has played really well. Bo Hostler had a really nice week yeah. last He's week. He's staying with sleeves. Is he staying with him again? We saw him he last is. year when we were out in Phoenix. Uh, Emiliano Grillo is one of my favorites. That just, I mean, if the guy could ever putt, I, the guy would start winning golf tournaments. Martin Laird, I've heard a lot of people on Martin Laird this week. Adam Hadwin coming back for his first event of the year after his wife gave birth to their first child recently. Ooh. Andrew Landry won a few weeks ago. Sebastian Munoz has been good. I, I can go down to Harry Higgs. I like Harry Higgs a lot this week. I really uh, do. He's uh, at 6,900. But if you can have your social media favorite in Zach Zucker, I get mine. Good. Max Homa, welcome to the squad. We're going to roast your swing all week, $7,100. Uh, I love it. I need I need a lot of tips from Max Home. I should have put a swing out there. There's a lot of things to roast. Uh, what a good thread and easily one of the best follows on Twitter. If you're not doing it already, make sure you follow Max Homa uh, Sleaze. Or I'm sorry, Sobel. I was just thinking about <laughs> Sleaze. I was thinking about Sleaze with the Bo Hostler thing. Um, and he did say Bo Hostler played well last week. He did say that he was giving him some tips. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Maybe a bad thing considering what happened with Sleaze, but uh, hopefully Hostler plays well considering he's staying at Costa Sleaze. But Sobel, any final thoughts uh, on this tournament or any other advice, favorite bets? Uh, by the way, a, a text from Sleaze as we're recording this podcast saying, if you don't take Barn Rat, then I'm not listening. So I, I hope that uh, we've lost one listener here in Sleaze that we did not take his guy Barn Rat, but I – I like the team a lot here going down the list. DeChambeau, Homa, Kokrak, Rom, Suker, Wolf. I think there are a lot of really good choices at the top. It seems like a lot of safe guys at the top this week. You can go down list from Rom 
to Matsuyama to Shoffley. I mean, I can see really any of these guys winning this golf tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun leading right into the Super Bowl. You hope that, uh, that this is a good one and you hope that uh, all the fans out there have a nice, safe week. Try to stay hydrated out there and don't try to uh, uh, scream too much at these players. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of listeners are out there. Enjoy your time at the Waste Management. It's a big party. Good advice from Sobel. Stay hydrated. And Slee's really screwed it up, too. Uh, Barnrat shot 69 all four rounds at the Nine Bridges. I gave him that material. He didn't even mention it to him. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> but it is what it is. The, the, the rat is a legend, and we'll see if he plays well. Make sure you guys are listening and downloading from Spotify. That is one of my favorite apps now. I know I'm a dinosaur. I switched over from Pandora to Spotify about a year ago. Best decision I've made, and I'm now listening to my podcast on Spotify. It is awesome. So make sure to listen and download the Action Network podcast from Spotify. Good luck this week, and we hope to see Action Network subscribers at the top of the leaderboard. We're finished talking.